This is GamesAtWork.biz, your weekly podcast about gaming, technology, and play. Your hosts are Michael Martin, Andy Piper, and Michael Rowe. The thoughts and opinions on this podcast are those of the hosts and guests alone and are not the opinions of any organization which they have been, are, or may be affiliated with. This is episode 409, Promptly VR. Good morning, good evening, good afternoon. Michael Rowe here on Friday, the time and place where I get to play and talk tech with my friends and co-hosts, Michael Martin and Andy Piper. Andy, how the heck are you? Hi, Michael. I am doing very well. Thank you very much. It's uh, another Friday afternoon in my case, although uh, slightly earlier than I was expecting, but I'm here. I'm on time. I'm available to record with you both and ready to talk tech. Mr. Michael Martin, how are you? Uh, also doing fantastic. Thank you guys. I'm delighted to be here with both of you for what is going to prove to be, I think, a really intriguing conversation about all kinds of uh, AI stuff and VR stuff. And uh, I, I can't believe, Michael, you didn't make a 409, Formula 409 reference, uh, you know, to keep things clean uh, for this particular example. So, nope. <laughs> Would have expected. So um, let's get things rolling right away with the the first on our VR set of topics. And the very first one of these is a Hackaday um, link talking about using a um, a project from spatial commerce called Wonka Vision, Vision Wonka Vision, obviously a put, put play on Willy Wonka, to do 3D eye tracking and creating the illusion of 3D objects. I have to say I don't quite get all of this, but it's intriguing. Was was wasn't Wonka Vision the thing that took uh, the TV boy and shrunk him down and put him into the little miniature TV? Into the TV, maybe it was, yeah. And and then they had to stretch him out afterwards, and and you know, Willy Wonka was pretty sadistic. Mm. <laughs> yeah, they were um, disturbing, slightly disturbing stories. Uh, yeah, this is cool. Um, so it's based on. A technique that was originally uh, demonstrated, I believe, in um, 2007, using a Wiimote to uh, do to create VR displays by um, doing some sort of uh, um, motion tracking there. And um, this is where uh, spatial commerce has taken the same set of principles and tried to sort of extrapolate it forward to today. Um, so they've tried um, that. So you need to be able to figure out where your eyes are looking with respect to the camera. So mm-hmm. um, it, previously that was done with a Wii Wii infrared camera and, and the LEDs on the sensor bar. But um, this is taking advantage of Google's Media Pipe Iris library that they use for figuring out who's look where you're looking on the screen, basically, or whether you're where you're looking um, where your irises are looking. Um, so, yeah, it looks pretty neat. Um, it'll be interesting. So the, the problem here is that in 2007, there, there was this demonstration that looked really cool that, you, you know, ena- enabled sort of a VR-ish demonstration um, mm-hmm. using that technology. And the question is whether this kind of thing um, is useful today um, and, and well, how it can I, be. I remember, I, I remember 
multiple companies trying to come up with glasses-free 3D TVs that really didn't take off either, right? And um, my concern is not the right term, but my gut on this is it's a great technology demo, mm-hmm. and it might be good for very small usage or small use cases like showing um, the shape of an object in an ad, right? But not the whole thing because it's not true 3D. You're not going to be able all the way around it. For that, you need AR or VR. So so you're just going to get a little bit of the, the shape of something, right? Just enough of the stereoscopic, stereoscopic vision to, to be able to see depth at some level, but you're not going to get the experience of a fully immersive 360 rotatable object. Yeah. So what's the real valuable use case? Interesting, great tech demo. I, I, but, I think it's uh, I think your comparison to sort of the 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 3D TVs without glasses is a good is a good one here. It's giving you uh, an element of depth. So this is this technique enables you to have objects that sort of either sit inside of the screen or, or pop out of the screen. So um, the reason, as the very last paragraph here describes, uh, just before they hit the conclusions, it describes it as um, the reason that they call it Wonka Vision um, is that it gives you that feeling of reach out and grab it where um, Charlie in the chocolate factory reaches into a TV and pulls out the chocolate bar. Um, so yeah. <laughs> yeah, you get that sort of depth sense, but you don't necessarily, as you say, get that 360 degree idea. However, interestingly, it's using similar trickery as VR headsets do around, um, the way that it fools both of your eyes, basically to, to think there's three dimensional mm-hmm. stuff. I think it's cool, cool that you could do this potentially just on the web, you know, um, without, without needing yeah. special hardware. Yeah, or 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 doing other things to what the image as it's being projected. Um, I'll, I'll leave this for the show notes if you all want to check this later. But in the Shopify space for spatial commerce, uh, there's a whole range of other things that they're doing that are also kind of intriguing and interesting use cases for not just how to do more immersive um, viewing of objects on the web, but some other AR and other related things. Um, Moving along to a news article from the BBC, we have uh, the premise here that um, perhaps VR influencers can save the metaverse uh, because we're traveling and transversing along the 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 Google hype cycle here, uh, or Gartner hype cycle. Excuse me. Um, I was going to say Google. Yeah, <laughs> been thinking about Google a lot today. You should Google the hype cycle and find out it's from Gartner. <laughs> yes. Well, luckily I corrected myself faster than uh, than anybody else did, and I'll save those cards and letters for later. But anyway, this this, this notion here is that the 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 metaverse needs saving a, which hmm. probably is the case, and that VR influencers are best suited to do so. So I think the the concept that the metaverse needs saving is one that comes from the ongoing back and forth around Meta's the company's focus. Um, so there's been a statement this week that their biggest investment is in AI, not in not in metaverse. And there's been all of this, you know, um, doom uh, uh, proclamations around their their revenues and so on. And again, that's tying the concept of a metaverse to to that one sort of. Uh, Big company that that that's promote, been promoting it as a as a thing. Uh, I think we, yeah. the three of us, have been talking about this space for much longer than 
Meta was involved, and um, we'll talk about that. Uh, you know, past lives in in, in just a moment, but uh, I think that the the idea, therefore, of of these influencers needing to sort of come in and save it by being building hype around it in order to drive more interest and drive more success is potentially false. I mean, if we needed VR influencers, then you know, surely e Predator would have uh, been the first and uh, <laughs> number one on the and, list, uh, uh, and and brought us all there already. If hype would save it, it just shows that it's not worth mm. saving. Because what happens with hype is people get excited, they go and they get let down, mm-hmm. <laughs> right? So, so I, yeah, I, I, I almost reject the premise of the entire article that do we need uh, hype hype people in order to save something uh, when, as as you've said correctly, the metaverse is not meta the company, right? And and so as such, you know, this is from from the view of saving Meta's platform and not the metaverse. So one of the things to note here is that this story is from the BBC on the BBC News website, but it's from their Newsbeat uh, sub-brand. Um, so Newsbeat is typically aimed at the younger audience. Um, and... Ah, so I don't get it. <laughs> I'm, I'm, you know, you know, it, you know, you old guys, right? Exactly. Um, so they're they're talking here about a, a number of influencers, none of whom I've heard of myself, but uh, they do they do refer to technology. You know, some journalists um, from from websites like The Verge and, and, and other organisations that um, that that are more recognisable to me. But certainly, you know, there, there, there's a kind of intersection here of. YouTube, TikTok influencers, as well as people who do gaming in VR. The other element here is the um, I, that I noticed that I, my eye was drawn to is that one of the folks, uh, Techman Ju, who is shown here, uh, is also wearing one of the um, like what looks like one of the VR vests, you know, for for yeah, sensing the on the body, vests. the haptic vest. Yeah. Yeah, um, yeah. So again, it's sort of taking it even further to the the immersion uh, aspect of things and then so you can feel the difference. right and then talking about the fact that you know it's not just a gaming environment you know there's lots of other things but that there is a, a cost of entry here which is obviously all that hardware and then whether or not you're prepared to wear all that hardware and and, and feel comfortable with it so yeah it's, it's an interesting story but i think our next story might uh, bring us bring us back down to earth around the metaverse perhaps and and that story is uh, as Michael and I were talking about in our in the pre-show. It's the slob. I mean, it's the uh, <laughs> <laughs> the Second Life Twenty B, uh, the new the newest iteration of the music fest and performance that uh, is going to happen in world on June the twenty third when Second Life turns twenty. The big birthday party. Second Life turns twenty. I mean, that is something Can you believe to that? consider. Wow. That makes you feel old, doesn't My- it? <laughs> yeah, my avatar I think turned seventeen this week, uh, if I remember rightly, or possibly last week. It's still in my it's in, in my actual calendar. The 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 day that I raised my my second life as avatar originally, but I haven't. Yeah, I got to check. Yeah, mine. I haven't visited him for quite a long time. So yeah, it'll be interesting to see uh, what artists show for the event. I will probably have to dip in world to to go check out the music and. Uh, See what's going on. 
but it'll be interesting to, to to find who shows up. Well, if you chose that you wanted to perform, you you could. There is a Google Doc, uh, not a Gartner Doc, that you can fill out, and um, it does suggest here that um, you should not be bringing, if you're a DJ, for example, your entire club, because laggy prim-laden displays do not do justice to your performance time, the audience, or the event. So They'll bring their own <laughs> laggy, prim-laden display by each avatar. <laughs> yeah, so... Well, absolutely. And if you are listening and are interested, then you can sign up to um, apply by, I think, May the 14th, 2023, depending on when you're listening yep. to this episode of the show. So you may still have mm-hmm. time to get involved. Um, and um, you can also audition for Music Fest um, as well as uh, uh, performing. So yeah, it could be kind of, it could be kind of fun. But again, I think it speaks to the fact on the subject of the previous link about VR influencers that I think I don't know. I, I believe that this is a much longer arc than you know the current hype cycle um, indicates or suggests. And I think that the three of us all think that. I might be mistaken. That you know so. that, that this this has been building slowly, but at different times at different speeds, and that whatever comes out of the current cycle of interest, I think that the concepts and um, theories, ideas, and technologies will come together at some point in the future. Yes, definitely agreed. And and that lends us or leads us really well into the next article too, talking about Microsoft. And Microsoft's been in the news plenty here in the recent days. This particular story deals with Microsoft Teams adding avatars, 3D avatars, so that you can now uh, keep your camera off but have something that's reasonably approximating you uh, in the uh, Microsoft Teams meetings that you join. So this is kind of interesting that it is now available and they have a whole range of, of things that you could choose for clothing and I'm sure appearance and a whole range of others. Well, what, what What's interesting, you know, at my day job, we tend to use WebEx, but I work with a lot of customers who tend to use Teams. And uh, there's like this exact same experience on both sides. The people who use Teams a lot, every time they join WebEx, have problems. And those of us who use WebEx a lot join Teams and have problems. And both tools are constantly innovating and and um, incrementing and changing. Uh, so, uh, yeah, it would be interesting to see how bad this gets, how quickly, uh, and how much it changes. So you might start off with jeans and a T-shirt and end up uh, in a tutu and a tuxedo. <laughs> well, the, according according speaking a second life, <laughs> according to the register, um, you still have a little ways to go before you can try this out yourself. It's going to be in May, I think, is when this is supposed to roll out, um, and it will then allow a whole range of filters and structures here. Uh, the thing I was starting to think about was when you contemplate corporate swag, you know, you go to an event or you go to uh, something in world or in real world, uh, you can get a cap or a shirt or something like that. And I wonder whether we're going to see the digital currency oh. of digital T-shirts or. Hey, we, we like gave that. away a ton of T-shirts in Second Life uh, back in the day yeah. for events. Yeah. Right? And we talked about the fact that. Um, Companies have been giving away sort of branded stuff in um, Animal Crossing and, and other things as well yep. in the in the more recent uh, past Roblox. as well. Roblox, 
uh, one thing that um, this connected with in my brain is that we were watching this week some of the news coverage um, for the new series of uh, season of Ted Lasso that's been uh, that's been released on Apple TV this week and. Um, there was an interview, um, I think it was on one of the breakfast shows in the US um, uh, with some of the team, and they were talking about uh, the fact that they've now been in in the FIFA game as avatars. And one of the yes. actors was saying that they'd never even heard of the word avatar or not, never really sort of understood <laughs> what av- it be, to be an avatar meant until they were depicted in FIFA. So, it, it, it must have been Roy Kent because you know he's just so old. It, it wasn't, but anyway, um, yeah, it, it was. It was funny. Now, now, now this actually, um, this interest in uh, or this this forthcoming release in Teams for 3D avatars leads us neatly into the next story as well, because one of the things that is at the end of the Ars Technica story about uh, why uh, it's taken a while longer for these avatars to arrive in Teams um, is potentially that Microsoft uh, has, as as almost every company on the planet has, switched focus to heavily focus on uh, what what we currently know as AI um, at the moment. And Microsoft and Google are both seemingly competing to throw as many AI-powered features into their online office suites as possible. Um, Microsoft this week, uh, I think in the last 24 hours, announced that um, they're they're calling the off the, the features that are going to be in Microsoft Office Copilot, which obviously matches the branding in in GitHub for code mm-hmm. assistance. Mm-hmm. But uh, so okay, so let's assume that this change in focus has uh, led Microsoft potentially to deprioritize the release of metaverse features. Uh, the next story is a link from The Verge talking about Microsoft's. Uh, ethics uh, in AI team having been laid off, which is slightly worrying. Kind of the, 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 the opposite of putting AI into everything, mm. right? Mm. <laughs> Unless you're putting unethical AI into everything. <laughs> yeah, and, and I, th- I think this article, it doesn't get to the, the fullest details here, and none of us know all the details that are there. I don't think they're taking the entire office out, uh, but they are, it certainly optics-wise seems like a, a bad look at this particular juncture when you have an office of responsible AI, and AI is all over the news right now, and the intent to be responsible, ethical, transparent, etc. is so important. Well, to, to, to be fair, and uh, I, I won't say balanced because that's usually neither, um, when, it, when it comes to articles like this, uh, the, the, the view that I hear a lot from people that I respect in journalism is who's the source and what's their agenda, right? Uh, and, and yes, Microsoft, as many large tech companies is doing, is shedding people right now. Uh, some of them in very dramatic fashion, you know, tens of thousands of people. Microsoft is listing at around 10,000 employees that are affected. And as Andy correctly pointed out, AI is in everything right now. It's got a lot of focus. So if you are wanting to make a, a point, you would say, oh, I found somebody in the Office of AI Responsibility, uh, Ethical AI Responsibility, who got caught in the latest round of 
layoffs and you could make a story out of right, that. Right? right. Right. I'm not saying that's the uh, case. I, here. I think that's it's I think that's understand the objective and and who is providing Certainly and if you read this, um being from the Verge and and platformer, um both uh publications uh, have in the recent past uh, you used a ton of sort of leaked audio from internal meetings and and and, and so on. Um, which isn't always uh, it is, can be interesting, but it isn't doesn't always provide the full picture for sure. So uh, yeah, I think oh, one one story that intersects with this that we don't have in our show notes though is uh, I was reading yesterday about uh, OpenAI's ChatGPT four, which is this week's big news story. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. Not having uh, for the first time not having open sourced to really release the data and the training models. Uh, training data that have uh, produced the behaviors that uh, are encoded in the ChatGPT4 model. Now, the concerning thing there is, I mean, first of all, there's an element of, well, obviously, it's a competitive advantage to them to to keep the secret source and 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 monetize. The the concerning angle of this is, first of all, the company is called OpenAI, and it had an initially open approach to sharing and all of this stuff. But but previously, with the information out there, people were able to find holes in the model, um, were able to find yep. areas where there may be safety issues, there may be areas where there were obvious biases and build in safeguards around how you use the output from those um, those AI, open AI APIs, for example. Um, and, the, and that is not coming uh, bundled up with, with the... Uh, the latest release. So I think I, I was, this is a complete sideline, but I, I had a really interesting phone call yesterday evening from my university, who I, uh, my college, who I uh, donate to from one of the current students to encourage me to, to don- donate more. And uh, that student is uh, doing a degree in philosophy, uh, philosophy and uh, politics and economics. And Lovely, lovely conversation with this this young man, and I started talking about ethics and uh, responsibility in how we use technology and how humans interact and, and all these kinds of things. And I pointed out to them that what they're learning, uh, what they're studying right now, will continue to have an incredibly valuable relevance, relevance absolutely, be, be super useful uh, as we continue to, to wrestle with these challenges in these conversations and these thoughts but the, but the good news is we won't hire anybody for that because it will impact our uh time to market <laughs> of our latest ai tools yeah i don't believe that for an instant i think it's it's the past is coming back to the present again we've done a lot of focus on a very technical skill sets and what Andy, your experience that you've just described is, is such that the the importance of philosophy, the arts, uh, understanding communications between humans are, are all becoming more and more important these days as we're turning towards these large language models and how conversational well, AIs are working together. You, you need to have that. Well, of, of course, because too. the the large language models have no concept of ethics. Or, or anything, you need that human factor to make them relevant, right? They are word predictors, next word predictors. And the next article that we have to talk about, I think, hits that point quite well. And Andy, I think you had uh, found this article by Cory Doctorow. Yeah, I love Cory's um, stuff. Um, quite often, it, 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 because he's 
you know a long form writer um you link to you get a link to to something and, in, and this this article is a case in point where um you kind of have to do a ton of reading to understand where he's going with the with the argument um and the link title may not look like it's relevant to the content but this is really talking mm. about how um the current fascination interest excitement full on pile all the money into this area uh, of ai is is a hype bubble and it's the new crypto hype bubble that's really the the uh the story here um the link is uh, it's got the text autocomplete worshippers um in, in it which is a bit <laughs> a bit bit confusing uh, if you see that on the uh, show notes but it's um it talks about you know the 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 the, the peak of inflated expectations around um the crypto uh, on blockchain and NFT stuff uh, five, six years ago. Um, and, you know, spoiler alert, Corey's not a big fan of, of that space. Um, and <laughs> uh, and then basically saying, well, we're, we're now looking at um, the, 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 you know, the, the, the very similar situation with um with with an AI that is essentially an autocomplete on steroids being hyped up by a lot of very large companies um, who are seeing it as a as route to, a route to a path to growth uh, and an immediate path to growth because everybody's thinking in the short term rather than in the long term. So uh, yeah, I think it's a great piece. Um, it's definitely a way of coming down from all the hype <laughs> when you when you read things in, 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 in from that angle. Um, it's worth keeping things in perspective for sure. Yeah, 100%. And and fantastic summary of, of what was a really, really long article. Now, we, we got a little excited here too about the notion of being able to run your own version of GPT-3 on a Raspberry Pi. And Michael, you took a crack at doing precisely that, didn't you? Well, uh, so I tried to follow the instructions um, in this article so there's a there's a detailed set of and and why when i say detail i only use that term because it says step-by-step instructions <laughs> um set of instructions really long really low in the in the article uh and i was actually trying to get it to run on my on my m2 because it said you know on the pi or uh on on your mac uh because i didn't want to blow away my raspberry pi yet uh and i didn't have a extra sd card around and um yeah uh fairly complex (laughs) ran into problems early on uh and it's not written up in such a way to help you find the answers to those problems Uh, but I, I do I, I do think it would be interesting to to get this set up uh, mainly uh, for the reason that and I think we've talked about this when when you talk about any of the the large language model tools openai chat GPT uh, etc uh, that you're providing some of your own data to the host of that site, right? Uh, and I want to play around with some code that I have local to my machines so that I don't want up on a server where somebody else could look at it, right? This is this is detailed proprietary code. Uh, but I do want to run it through some of these engines um, and, and see what insights I can gain out of it. Uh, I was not successful. I had about an hour and a half one night when I thought I could have some time to do this, and I did not <laughs> have enough time. 
where do things fall over for you? Uh, oh gosh, now now you're making me go back to my. Uh, no, that's fine. I'm just curious. Machine. I'm just curious. I'm, I might. Um, you you challenged me before the show uh, as to whether I I tried it, and now of course I have to try it. Knowing there that you there knowing were some you things that I just couldn't. I could not find. Um, and I mean, if you don't, I'm just looking at the. If you don't have again. the, if you don't, if you're not able to obtain the actual mo- model data, then you're screwed from the get go here. Sure. That 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 was part of it, right? I was trying to. There's there's a, a llama model. Yeah. Um, yeah, the five B, right? Which is which is huge. Thing yeah. where or seven B in the threaded commentary on the repo. Uh, they were indicating here's a way to get around signing up to Facebook's right. uh, licensing agreement, and I couldn't navigate that path. <laughs> I mean, it's a shame and because I wasn't going to sign up for Facebook's licensing agreement for something I just want. It's play a shame with. because about halfway through the README, it, it says uh, that you can easily run uh, this on Android, uh, on an Android device. So yeah. if, if only you were an Android user, you'd find this super easy. But because you're a Mac user. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry about yeah. that. You know those walled gardens. Right. You you know I I understand why you you need to have a detailed set of instructions so that you know you're not just clicking a button and then having all kinds of terrible yeah, awful things I, happening. I I I don't just want to do a curl and download yeah. something onto my machine mm. that just dumps you know gigabytes worth of data and other unknowns. You know. Right. Yes. So of of course. There, there's that level of trust anyway, because in, in a step-by-step step of, you know, 20 instructions, it wouldn't be that hard to include a package there somewhere that says, like, include <laughs> include Trojan horse here. Uh, and, oh, yeah. And, and there's a big, there's an, there's been an issue with that on some uh, OSS repositories recently. Oh, really? Yes. So so we've, we've kind of taken a negative turn, and uh, this next article is a little bit on that negative turn here, too. So we've talked about <laughs> deep fakes before. And yes. uh, here we have an example from our f- friends over at USA Today of the of an audio with Bill Gates that was altered um, in a deep fakey sort of way, and it looks pretty reasonable and it looks pretty darn real, doesn't it? Yeah, this is this this is the the fear factor being in demo- being demonstrated. Yeah, <laughs> right uh, when you have. Um, the ability to do deep fakes, the ability to do audio deep fakes, right? So not video and audio, and then uh, to generate content uh, in a way that de- basically debunks what somebody says. Yeah. Uh, and have them say it. Um, and with all five yeah, fingers, this, too, on a hand. You know, you can't say, oh, look, right, six right. fingers. That's, that's, oh, that's new. Uh-huh. That's chat GPT-4, right? I know, right? yeah. <laughs> or actually, actually uh, what is it? Mid-Journey version 5 now has all five fingers. <laughs> Yes. So, so, so. Uh, intriguing stuff. Now, w- while we have a deep fake as one example, we also have a fun new uh, television show coming off of NBC and Peacock as, as their brand as they're doing this. Hmm. Um, this new show coming up is called Mrs. Davis, who apparently is a nun um, who is going around uh, combating an, uh, an, an evil AI. We'll say that the, the nun super is super summary. The nun is not Mrs. Davis, right? The AI. Right. No, Mrs. Davis no. is the evil AI. No, exactly. Because that would be kind of weird to have a Mrs. to be a nun. Well, they're married to Christ, right? Yeah, but they don't call him Mrs. 
the premise actually sounds ri- kind of ridiculous, goofy, but um, if you look at the um, background and, and, and who's involved in producing this, creating it, um, you've got some big names um, in, in drama writing. Um, so you've got uh, folks who directed Black Mirror episodes. Um, you've got um, the folks that, that created Lost uh, and, and others involved. So uh, I think there's pretty good heritage here. And it might be interesting. I'm curious to know, given this is Peacock, um, what the international distribution will look like because uh, we don't get Peacock in the UK that I'm aware of at the moment. So they usually syndicate through, I'm guessing it will probably be Amazon Prime, but we'll see if it if it indeed does come outside of the US uh, or you not. You could just ask I- ChatGPT to get it for you. And it will just do all those things. It'll get a task rabbit to get you a VPN that'll get a human to do the captcha. And then all of a sudden you'll have access. It'll be simple. If only we can uh, cut the humans out of that and we can just ask one of the AIs to get the show about the evil AI uh, for us um, automatically through one of those VPNs. I watched the trailer. It does look like a, a romp, a, a fun romp of a show. And it immediately got me thinking about the Futurama episode about the iPhone, uh, which we'll have a, a link in the show notes. Uh, and that is EYE phone where, um, uh, what was her name? Grandmother or grandma, the, the big business owner who owns all the robot, robot uh, manufacturing uh, generates the, the, the phone, i.e., EYE phone that you shove in your eye uh, that, that uh, was changing everybody into mindless zombies, which is kind of part of the premise of this show. Hmm. Except it's not a phone shoved in your eye, it's an earbud. Ear, We're talking ear. about mindless zombies. Let's race into the last couple of links uh, before we run out of time. Let's do. So first up is a lightsaber, which um, if you watch the video, looks very much like a real lightsaber. And um, it, it's it's not a real lightsaber because, of course, that doesn't exist. What? But the, I know, I know. I'm sorry to, to just bu- burst the bubble. But it's kind of darn cool to see it appear on stage and unfurl and get the sound effects and all that kind of good stuff. So watch it. It looks kind of fun. Uh, presented at South by Southwest last week. Yeah, and, and they've actually presented it a couple of times uh, over the last year that it was coming. It basically is like a tape measure. Yeah. Uh, but really, really cool seeing it uh, again. And it, it looks like it's getting better every time they show it. And I can 3D print myself a cool looking lightsaber hilt, but just missing the kind of essential part. Just missing the, yeah, that other bit. Need tape measure. So, uh, Michael, let's have you close us out on the, the last subject, and that is today, at recording time, uh, there is an early access beta open for Diablo. Yeah, uh, you can sign up for it right now. I don't think the, the, the beta is available till the That's 24th. Right. Uh, this is Diablo 4. Uh, the, the last open Diablo uh, version, and I can't remember the name of it, but I played it for a while, but it was just... It was stunningly beautiful, uh, but annoyingly designed to just drip money out of your wallet, right? Uh, It was one of these free-to-play, but you need to pay to level up things. So it'll be interesting to see if this version is more like the original Diablo that you and I used to play together uh, back in the day. So So, uh, we brought it up last week on the show of... uh, you liked playing. Uh, I play a lo- I game alone, and Diablo was one of those uh, one of those games. So I figured you might want to sign up for the. So beta. so just to clarify around those dates, though, um, it is a bit confusing here. So there's an early access open beta open today through the twentieth, 
Ah. Which does have, but that is only for people that have pre-purchased a game. Um, because ah. I, this, 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 this is the thing that made me read this article more carefully. If you scroll to the end, it then talks about the, the Blizzard including a world boss at specific times, one of them being March the 18th, at which point I thought, hold on a minute, if this thing doesn't open until March the 24th, why are they introducing a world boss on March 18th? So um, there's a, a limited early access open beta followed by uh, a, another open beta because you can never have enough of those things <laughs> um, in order to slaughter uh, the demons and other uh, evil things. Very cool. Enjoy. All right. Well, uh, that's it for this show this time around, everyone. Thanks for joining in. Looking forward to having you on board again for the next version of gamesofwork.biz in about a week. See ya. See ya. You've been listening to gamesatwork.biz, the podcast about gaming technology and play. We are part of the Blueberry Podcasting Network and would like to thank the band Random Encounters for their song, Big Blue. You can follow us on Twitter at gamesatwork underscore biz or at our website at gamesatwork.biz. Mm-hmm.